everyone, welcome back to Rounding the Bases. I'm Cameron Levy. You all probably know that already because I doubt anyone is like looking up my podcast that doesn't know who I am. So everyone that's listening is probably a friend of mine. So hey guys, last time I did this, I was at school, University of Richmond. And since then, I have done nothing with the podcast. I've really lost a lot of motivation. I don't really know why. I was kind of busy last summer and school year, you know, I had a lot of a lot of work and so I was I was busy and I guess I kind of lost motivation. Um also, it's very difficult to watch The Bachelor at college. It's just hard cuz you don't have TVs really and you're trying to watch like on your laptop the next day. So that didn't really work out uh too much, but I'm here now and um I've actually gotten the chance to interview a bachelorette alum and it's because you know we're in quarantine and I figured that people are just on their phones a lot right like everyone's just kind of bored as shit and watching TikToks or whatever um which is great don't get me wrong uh, I love TikTok but um I DM'd a bunch of people on Instagram and I, I heard back from one of them and I heard back from Luke Pell so if you guys remember who Luke Pell is, Luke Pell was on JoJo's season of The Bachelorette. Love you, JoJo. And he finished in the fourth. He finished fourth uh, behind Chase, Robbie, and Jordan. And he was sent home right after Hometowns. And I DM'd him, and he responded, and he was super cool about it. He gave me his number. We talked a little bit, and then decided on time to call each other. And we had like a nice hour-long phone call the dude is really cool he's very articulate and he has a lot of insight on the bachelor and the effect of the show and how it changed him and it was cool i mean it was my first time interviewing anyone from the bachelor um franchise and i mean luke pell is not like a scrub like we're talking about a guy who was a fan favorite like big time everyone loved luke it's been a long time since he was on the show but i was pretty psyched to see that he responded to my dm like that's awesome and I don't really go on Instagram anyway. Like, I kind of stopped using Instagram. So now I just use it for, like, DMs, DMing uh, Instagram celebrities so or Bachelor celebrities. So take that for what you will. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, though, baseball season is, you know, not happening, which sucks. I've been watching Neil Walker highlights, and I'm really tired of watching Neil Walker highlights from, like, 2016. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that it starts soon. I've been doing a lot of research and trying to educate myself even more on statistics and um, certain traits and players and, you know, things like that. Um, and so hopefully I'll make a podcast soon about about that and some things I've learned and some players I'm looking forward to um, seeing play this season, hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully the NBA season comes back because... Who the fuck wants to watch Rui Hachimura play 2K? No one. I don't even want to watch, like, I don't want to watch anyone play 2K except for myself. So, I, I mean, it sucks what's happening right now. I hope everyone's safe and um, staying inside. I know I am. So, yeah, so I have a good amount of time on my hands, and I was lucky enough to interview Luke. In the meantime, what am I doing here? I'm at home. I'm watching a lot of Grey's Anatomy with my sister because I started that. And we started um, about a week ago. We started six days ago, and we've gone through 42 episodes. So we've been through seven episodes a day 
like 40 minute episodes, you know, so kudos to me and my sister. Um, I like the show a lot. I mean, I was bound to watch it eventually. Um, I, you know, I want to love Derek. I want to love Derek cause he's like, he's dope. He's Derek. But the way he treated Addison pissed me off and Meredith and Addison, like you also want to love her cause she's like hot and she's just seems really great but then you know that like she cheated on her husband with the best friend and the show kind of pisses me off for that reason um so if you want my thoughts on Grey's Anatomy please reach out to me I don't know why you would want that but uh if you do uh you know my dms are open and my uh messages are open so yeah I'm rambling thank you guys for uh for listening um I know it's been a long time but yeah I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Luke Pell Again, it was such a great time, and I'm so thankful that he took time out of his day to talk to me. So uh, now enjoy the interview with Luke. All right, welcome back. Uh, I now welcome on uh, Luke Pell. Luke is a war veteran. He served in Afghanistan for five years. He's a singer-songwriter who you can find on Spotify and Apple Music. And he was a contestant on JoJo's season of The Bachelorette. Um, he's from Texas, but he now lives in Nashville. He's been helping out a lot with the tornado, the tornado relief efforts down there. Um, so we're going to talk about a whole lot of stuff today. Luke, how's it going, man? It's going really good. Good to talk to you, Cameron. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, absolutely. It's um, I was saying to you earlier, like it's such a cool experience to talk to someone who was on the show. Um, I've never done it before. And yeah. obviously, like you were a huge... I mean, I was a big fan of yours. Um you, 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 you were great, man. It's, it's really cool. Like I'm, I'm like starstruck right now. If I'm being totally honest, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, it's a wild experience for sure. Cause you know, you come most of the people that go on there, you're not, um, well known, um, by any means of the imagination. And, and, uh, and then, you know, overnight essentially then like your story and who you are, is just all, all across the nation. And so, um, it, it's cool. There's pros and cons to it, like everything else. But yeah, it's 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 been really a neat experience to go through. And I tell people it's kind of like going through Hunger Games, but nobody's dying, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is the the funny part of it. But uh, but anyway, cool. Um, so before we talk about the show and uh, your experience on the show, um, you know, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with the tornado relief ever down in Nashville. Cause, uh, I know you've been advertising that a little bit on your social media. So if you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit, go for it. Yeah. You know, so that happening to Nashville is just one of those things that hasn't happened in like 20 years. And it's just, uh, was devastating to, you know, certain parts of the country or the, uh, the community. And so, um, you know, I, I've been here five years now, so I know a lot of people in town, you know? And so I had, uh, quite a few uh, friends and acquaintances and, and colleagues and stuff that were affected by it. And so, you know, I just wanted to be sure to make make myself available and the assets that we have with our moving company and all of that to, uh, you know, to do what we could to give back to the community. So um, we, uh, we, went, we went and took some of our moving trucks um, down to where the affected areas were, and uh, we, we helped some folks move you know, their belongings out of apartments so that the insurance companies could come in and, um, you know, uh, repair the area and all that. So um, it, it was really cool. You know, the, the one silver lining and tragedy happening in a community is you get to see the community come together. 
And so Nashville, you know, has come together like none other. And uh, it's been it's been beautiful to see that. So, yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it's great how you just promoted a lot on social media. You know, I saw that and I was like, that's that's sick. Like you got all this you got like a bunch of people coming together for a common cause. And I agree. So there's at least there's a silver lining there. Um, Yeah. So you mentioned uh, being in Nashville for a while now. And, you know, on the show, it was really never mentioned about your music career. You know, that wasn't something that was like really brought up much. Um, Right. And so, you know, I um, I've I've been listening to a few of your songs recently. Um, I think you're very good. I love your music. And um, yeah, tell me about that career, how it started, because, again, it wasn't really talked about on the show much. And, um, you know, how that all began and when, where and where you're at now. Yeah, so, you know, music's always been a part of my life. I started taking piano lessons uh, from a guy at our church when I was really young. I was about 10 years old, and I just kind of fell in love with it, and it wasn't something historically or traditionally had been in my family, and uh, it it just became something that I was passionate about. Um, But, you know, like a lot of kids, I got into sports really heavily and summer jobs and that type of thing through high school and kind of got away from it. And then um, when I was in college at... West Point, I, you know, we didn't have a lot of room to have our belongings or anything in, in the uh, in the barracks or the dorms. Um, so, you know, what could fit under our bed or in a closet was about all we could keep in there. So um, I was able to have a guitar and uh, a couple of buddies of mine, you know, on the weekends, we didn't get to leave campus very often and those type of things. We could just, you know, take our off time and, and uh, kind of pick up the guitar and, and, and let that be kind of our, you know, our therapy and, and our time away from, you know, everything that we were doing with the military and, and academically at West Point. So, um, yeah, it started like that for me as a freshman in college. And then um, it wasn't a career idea or something that I, you know, wanted to do on a professional level until um, after college and even while I was still in the military, I, uh, I picked Fort Campbell, Kentucky as the uh, duty station, as they call it, that I was going to be at um, for my military time. And, and so I came down. Uh, Fort Campbell, uh, side note, is about 40 minutes from Nashville. So it's the closest uh, U.S. base to Nashville. So I would come down on nights and weekends and just try to meet people in Nashville and try to just be around it because I loved, I loved music. I, I fell in love with Nashville as a community then. And, uh, and so... Um, long story short, I, I, uh, the army moved me away a couple of times, once to Afghanistan. And then, um, a couple of times or a couple of years I was in El Paso, Texas. And then eventually I worked my way back to Nashville after the military. And, uh, I just, you know, I didn't know what the, the outcome would be or, or, you know, could I ever be, you know, on a, on a level of, of being a professional musician and, and songwriter, like we, you know, hear on the radio or you see on CMT and those type of things. But I just wanted to be close to it and be around it because, you know, it was something that I really was passionate about and, and, and I got the opportunity to do that. And so, um, I moved back and just started, uh, you know, working every day to, make ends meet and, uh, and, and meet people that were in the industry and to learn. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been quite a, quite an experience and quite a journey of, you know, lots of ups and downs. And, and I've been fortunate to, you know, have written songs, um, you know, with some really good people and, and been able to meet some good, some really talented producers and those type of people that are here in Nashville that, 
have kind of taken me under their wing and, and, and helped me along the path of developing, you know, my craft as a, as a musician. So I'm not, I'm not near as talented as, you know, a lot of people are here in town uh, naturally. And, and I didn't go to, a, you know, a music school and, and, but I, I love it. And uh, so I just feel fortunate just to be around it and be, you know, the number one fan of, of so many people that are. And uh, if, if, if some people listen to, to my music and enjoy what I produce as well, then that's great. And uh, that's given me, you know, uh, it's given me a vehicle to, to meet so many people and to travel around and, and go into these, um, you know, middle American communities that I never would have gotten to go to and meet people and play at venues all across um, the United States. And uh, it's just really been uh, a blessing for me to be able to experience that. So, yeah, no, I love that. Um, I'm a big music guy myself as well. Um, awesome. Yeah, a big music guy. I don't know. I'm not like a huge country guy, but like I'll listen to country for sure. Um, yeah. I love. Um, I woke what up in. Do? I love woke up in Nashville. If you know oh, that song, yeah, for sure. Love that song. Great song. Um, but yeah, you know my my music taste is kind of all over the place. Um, I'll listen to anything really. But um, yeah, I love that you're following your passion. Um, why do you think they didn't really bring that up much on the show? Because it wasn't, it really wasn't mentioned much, um, like in regards to you. So, why do you think that was? Yeah, you know, there was so much to learn for me uh, about just how reality TV works. You know, I had seen a couple of reality shows, and and it, you know, that's really about the extent of it. And so, once you go through it and you meet the producers, and you kind of understand the world that they're in to tell a story but they only have a certain amount of time and they have an audience that has short um, attention spans and those type of things and so you know all those variables go into how they produce a show and and with that limited time and limited attention span of an audience they have to you know create stories that are kind of uh, abbreviated sometimes so they can't it's not a documentary you know it's a reality show so they have to uh, just kind of brush brush over the details of some people's lives sometime if it doesn't pertain to, you know, the very uh, summarized, you know, storylines and that type of thing that they're trying to um, put in that show. So I think that was probably, you know, a lot of it because, I, you know, I, I've been fortunate to have experienced a lot of different things in my life up until that point where, you know, I was, I had been in the military and, and I, you know, had done uh, had moved back to Nashville by that point, and I had been a college, you know, a football player and an athlete, and you know, there's so many things that they could have went with as far as you know, kind of telling my story, but it was it was much too broad to kind of tell in that short amount of time. So, uh, so we were, I was a veteran, you know, as if you saw the show, and that was that was kind of my my primary, I guess, role or 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 back backstory was that I was a veteran, and so I was. Obviously, you know, very pleased with that, uh, you know, that background because that that was an integral part of my life and, you know, kind of the bones of who I am is is my time in the military. So I was I was proud to kind of wear that uh, wear that patch. So yeah, no, definitely. Um, so now talking about the show a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you've seen. Did you see Peter's season? Their latest season of The Bachelor? Uh, yeah, I saw most of it. Yeah, I didn't okay. see everything, most of it, yeah. So, are you aware of the whole, like, they, Maddie and Peter, they broke up, like, right after the show ended, and the whole controversy with with her with his mother and all that? Yeah. 
So what we, yeah, if you, yeah. I, I did see the last couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, and the finale and everything, and so, um, yeah, that was uh, that was a you know, like they say, uh, it's kind of come taboo, but um, you know, Chris Harrison always says, hey, this is the most dramatic yeah. ending or whatever, yeah, yeah, uh, ever, <laughs> and I, I think they really they rivaled that for sure uh, this season because uh, no one's I've never seen anyone's parents get. Um, as directly involved and have uh, such a strong opinion as uh, Peter's mom did <laughs> in the last couple episodes. So yeah, it was insane. I mean, every time like in the after the final rose that they would ask Barbara a question, you would think like, all right, she's finally gonna break and she's gonna like accept <laughs> Maddie into the family, and she never did. And it was just You're like right. unbelievable. I feel like at some point she would just let the TV like see what they want to see, and then you know once the <laughs> once the cameras are off, then get mad at Peter. But she wouldn't even do it. She just went all out on TV, and really, I mean, not not a good look for Barbara, if you ask me. Yeah, I you know, it's uh, you never know about those things. It's funny the way different angles and stuff that you know public perceptions ends up coming from but yeah for my uh experience i think that you know being polite and just supportive in that in that uh situation probably would have been the best play for her and uh she was uh she was neither of those uh she was pretty pretty uh blunt and almost you know really i guess most people say she was rude during that whole thing but um, anyway, to each to each their own, and uh, Barb definitely had some strong opinions and and made them known. So, yeah. Um, if we're gonna talk about uh, Peter, we have to talk about Hannah a little bit. And um, sure. you know, I know you're um, you are very in touch with your with your religion, and that's a big part of who you are. Sure. And so I want to talk about the Luke P. Han not the other Luke P. Not you, the other Luke yeah, P. Yeah, the other Luke P. I'm yeah. sure you've I'm sure you've gotten uh, mistaken for for Luke P. A few times. Um, yeah, I've gotten some uh, some DMs and comments and tags and stuff online that they were talking about one versus me versus him, or they're like, oh, I mean the other one. Yeah, that, uh, that was easy to get confused for sure. Yeah, I'm sure those weren't very uh, very very kind DMs, not the kind that you're looking for. But um, yeah, I was like, well, that's, I was like, that's an aggressive DM. <laughs> um, I, I got to, I got to kind of see. Uh, behind the curtain a little bit from what I'm sure uh, he was getting a lot of those uh, during that time. So I kind of felt bad for him, honestly. I was like, man, you're getting some rough DMs, brother. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I when I was watching it, you know, he made a lot of mistakes, and I think his intentions were there, but his execution wasn't there. But sure. when they were, when him and Hannah were going back and forth over Twitter, I don't know if you remember this, and they were really touching on, on their religion, and the Bible and things of that nature. Um, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish personally, so I couldn't really understand um, the implications of those tweets, but what was your take on, on the controversy and, you know, his displeasure with her and how they handled it? What was your take on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love to see people be very true to who they are and, I, I guess, honest and vulnerable about, you know, who they are and their religion, their faith, their values, all those things. Um, but again, you know, I would say to this, uh, so, so would be, you know, if we sat down at lunch and talked about it, I would, you know, I think that his execution, like you just mentioned earlier, was probably a little off, you know, yeah, it's great that he was passionate, um, about his faith, but I think that he could have been a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit softer and a little bit more professional in how he presented that, you know, and especially in a, 
in a relationship type uh, situation, you know, somebody that you don't even know that well, um, you know, I'm not going, if, if I've only been dating somebody just for just a handful of times, I'm probably going to go, I'm, I'm very passionate about my faith too, but I, if, if, if they show that they have a definite, uh, you know, difference in a, in a variation from what my faith is, that's okay. You know what I mean? And, and they can completely, I, I'm not going to try to, um, you know, force that on them or anything. I'm just going to state what, what I'm passionate about. And maybe that would just be the difference between us and likely we wouldn't work out and that's okay. But, you know, he was just a little bit, uh, I think, I think he was dealing with some jealousy and some things. He was also passionate about her and their relationship. And I think that he was trying to have both, you know, and if he was, uh, honest with himself he probably would have just realized that hey she has a different you know world view than i do so his the faith part was different and he should have at that point just said okay i, I see that we're different and that's fine and this is where we go our separate ways you know something like that but again it's hard in those situations they're emotionally charged and there's just very short timelines and you're trying to get your point across and so I can see where he got confused, and, and, and same with her. But uh, but that's that's probably how I handled it differently. Yeah, I mean, I was I I think I was one of the people that was um, like kind of feeling bad for Luke because he just seemed like he was being ganged up on a lot, and you know, sure. I mean, a lot of it was was warranted. But I felt bad for the guy. I mean, like it's tough, man. Absolutely. Like you are like you're fighting for someone you love, and clearly, I mean, he clearly had very strong feelings for Hannah, but. Um, you know, I just I kind of felt bad for him. So on on kind of Luke, this I think this kind of compares to Luke a little bit. Um, you know, producers are a big part of the show, like you mentioned, and sure. um, I think a lot of people that don't know the show well enough kind of assume that these crazy things that the contestants do are like on their own accord. And but then right. there are also a lot of people who who say, you know, no, the producers like make them do or force them to do it. So I kind of want to know what that line is because. I think there are a lot of things, like for example, like when uh, when a contestant goes and sees the Bachelorette or the Bachelor in their hotel room in their suite, like on their own time, yeah. is that something that like the producer says, "Hey, you should you sh- you should go see Hannah. Hannah wants to see you," or like do they go to the producer and say, "I want to see Hannah right now"? Like, what is that line? Like, I, very confusing to me because yeah, people, so, yeah, um, it's a little bit of both. Um, the producers, uh, you know. Like I said earlier, they have the responsibility of telling this story very briefly, very concisely, so it doesn't get confusing or, or you know, doesn't just get, you know, weird for the public to watch. Um, so they're trying to encourage certain things to happen and create conversations that will continue to tell that story. And uh, so it's a combination of both. So they're going to encourage these folks to have these conversations um, and, and then, you know, the people can also, the, the, you know, the contestants can also ask, uh, they can, you know, as much, they have free will to say, Hey, I, I would love to go see her right now. And that's, um, you know, despite, you know, the fact that we have a short amount of time or whatever, I would like everything in my power. I would like to go see and talk to this person right now or tomorrow or whatever the case may be. And so, um, the combination of those things can get kind of confusing sometimes because you're not really sure, you know, what's the right time mm-hmm. and uh, what's the right environment to have those conversations and, and, and 
are the producers uh, in a position where they can give you what you want as a contestant, right? Because many times, uh, like I said, you're on a timeline, and, and, and a lot of people don't know that they think that, hey, these people are just in a relationship, and they can do whatever they want. If, if, if you know, if it's talking about Hannah Brown or whoever is the lead uh, contestant, and she's picking all these guys that they can kind of just guide the whole process. And it's not that because it's hard for them to see the big picture of saying, oh, wow, there's there's actually hundreds of people involved in, in telling the story behind the scenes. Like there's there's union workers that are caterers and cameramen and um, assistant producers and, and producers that are going ahead and planning a date that they're in like they're in one country that's going to be getting filmed next week and they're getting that ready. And so everything kind of has to happen uh, on time and in the right place just to make the TV show possible. And so some of those things, uh, you know, it makes it difficult for these contestants to, you know, to know, you know, what they want and to also feel completely free uh, to, you know, spend the time that they want to spend and say what they want to say to, to the other folks on the show. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty interesting um, process overall. It really is. It's, it's intriguing and um, just very interesting of what goes on behind the, the scenes. And were you close to your producer? Because I know a lot of like bachelor people are very close to their producers, like the guy Elon life of Elon something. Yeah. Yeah. Are you close to them? Like what's the relationship like between producers? And you. you know, I think it's uh, you definitely get closer over time, just like any other relationship. So uh, as the season moves forward and you get closer, there's fewer and fewer guys at the end, uh, guys or girls at the end of the season. Then that's you know when you're the closest to them because you're spending the most time with them. Yeah, and they've got they've gotten to know you over the couple of months that you've been there and you know been getting filmed and being interviewed and and you're talking about relationships, you're talking about real life stuff. So like when you're doing daily interviews with producers, you know, they're almost in the position of being your therapist in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. even though they're just trying to ask you questions so that we can you can film it, um, you know, they're the person that you get to kind of vent to, talk to, and speak to and on some things in confidence about and other things. You know, the whole world sees uh, what your concerns are, what you're talking about. So, um, yeah, you, by the end of the process, you do get pretty close to the producers and they become, you know, pretty good friends right. or en- enemies in some cases. I know there are some contestants that go through there and, uh, you know, the relationship becomes very bitter, I think, because they feel, you know, they get into a, a place where they're disagreeing with the producers or it's just, you know, the chemistry between other contestants gets weird and, you know, you end up as the villain of one of the seasons. And then, you know, at that point, then it kind of feels like everybody's against you probably. Yeah. And uh, it's, 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 the relationships then are going to be very strained and awkward. So, Yeah. And 
trying to, you know, get you to advertise their company, uh, you know, online, or they're trying to get you to invest or be the face of their, you know, their XYZ company that they have in the real world. So you're trying to kind of wade through, you know, who can you trust and all these new relationships that are popping up and some of them are kind of fly by nighters and other people are just genuinely great people that are now a part of your life. So you're having to navigate all of these new relationships after the show. So it takes, it, it takes some time, you know? Um, but you know, if you want to work hard to keep your life private after the show and kind of get back to a private lifestyle and, and, and stay away from the public, uh, kind of limelight, then, you know, you can choose to do that as well. And, um, over time, uh, that becomes possible. So, yeah, I mean, it must be, it must be flattering in some sense that you're coming back and people recognize you on the street and it's flattering for sure. But, um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's a line there that you have to walk to make sure that people are being genuine and people actually care versus the people that just want to be seen with you. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, um, Definitely, definitely challenge and, you know, normal is, is different um, after that, for sure. Emily also wanted me to ask you, would you date a 19-year-old? But you don't have to answer that question because um, <laughs> uh, she knows the answer. I guess, I guess Emily's 19. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's correct. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> don't, don't answer, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> I guess I won't answer that, but... Uh, I figure when you're waiting, well, I don't know. These it's 2020, man. People are doing in Hollywood. People do a lot uh, bigger age gaps than that. But yeah, uh, most most 19 year olds, mom and dad are gonna be like, uh, "Excuse me, um, no, you're not gonna date somebody <laughs> that much older than you." Yeah, no, I think that would that wouldn't go over well in my family either. So probably not. That's um, funny. All right, so uh, now we're gonna talk about like your season a little bit, and yeah, uh, your season was probably my favorite season. Um, of the Bachelorette, at least I thought, just like the guys yeah, that were it on was it, great it's a great season, yeah. man. And so, um, first, before we talk about some other people on the, on your season, let's talk about your hometown date because the hometown True. date was sick, dude. Like you made a heart out of flowers. You had a great yeah. like. I mean, the the um, the sundown at the end was amazing. Um, yeah. You had like fifty people there. You had a whole, you know you did it up. You really killed it. And so. What's it like to organize for that? Because I know that you get a few weeks off, right, to, like, see your family and organize the event. But then you have to yeah. kind of coordinate it with the show about, like, who you want there and how it's going to work. So tell me about how you organize the hometown date. Yeah, so hometown dates are a very interesting process because, um, you know, the producers want to let you kind of dictate uh, how you want to present your life, you know, your family um, to whoever you're bringing home. And, uh, so, you know, they sit down and, and kind of take notes. And for me, I was, uh, it was, you know, a few days before we, we were uh, headed there and I guess, you know, they go and they ask all everybody that's remaining, um, before the hometown day timeline, they go and ask them, Hey, you know, if, if you make it past the next rose ceremony and you get a hometown date, what, you know, who would, who would you want to be there? Um, and, and, and where do you want that to be and all those kind of things. And so that, that was really cool, you know, for me to think about it. I, you know, I remember getting some comments, people were like, Oh my God, he asked all, you know, 
there's 30 people. The whole town was at his hometown day. That must have been overwhelming for uh, JoJo to, you know, go meet his family like that and be so many people. And, you know, so I don't, you know, you're trying to give the best version of what, you know, is normal for you. And so that was normal for me. I had, I just did what, what my community, what my family did. I mean, those, those people, there, were, there was like 30 or 40 people, I think there. And those people were the people that throughout the whole time I was growing up and, you know, they had all had an impact and a role in my life and they were very close friends. And, and I was fortunate, I guess, blessed to, you know, say that I have that many people in my life and in my community that, you know, love me and support me and have been a part of my life. So, uh, I wanted all of them there. So I invited all those folks and, uh, you know, my parents, um, we, they got the ranch. And, and so it was just a really cool setting to be able to bring someone, somebody home there and, uh, on that scale too. And, uh, and then the whole world got to see it, you know, from filming. So, uh, it was, it was cool. I mean, I, I think that I, there's no way I could have done it without the producers. That's a good example of that, you know, talking about what, what role the producers play is because you're, you're going back. We don't have time to go physically set all that up ourselves. Oh, okay. Basically you've got a team of producers that we don't even know personally because they're out in front of us, uh, you know, going home, meeting your family saying, Hey, here's, you know, Luke's going to be here in a couple of days. And, uh, here's who we'd like to have, uh, invited. Uh, can you help us, you know, reach out to them and the invite list and, uh, here's how he'd like to set up for his date and what he'd like to do. And so they're setting all that up on my behalf because we're still traveling um, prior to that. So that's actually how that happens. And, and they did a, a, a great job uh, putting that together. And so it, it turned out great and was turned out to be a great memory of mine. And I think for my family too, and, and uh, look great on TV too. So, yeah. So like when you're like, you were the last hometown date. And so were you like, where are you staying while she's going to the other three places? Like, are you in LA still or? Yeah. So everyone, um, I believe they probably still do it like that is, uh, yeah, all the, all the folks that are kind of rotating as they're waiting on their hometown date to happen. You're, you're back in LA, um, just hanging out. That's another time when you're getting close to your producers, they're, they're kind of just spending time with you every day and, um, being sure that, you know, you're taken care of and but also you're kind of sequestered from you know normal life at that point yeah so. can you leave are you in a hotel can you leave the hotel um yeah so you're 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 sequestered but you know they try to you know give you some activities and some things to keep you from getting bored so yeah um yeah i got to go surfing and oh uh do a couple of things you know go to some movies and just kind of get out out and about and get to work out a lot and so it, it was good Oh, that's not bad at all. I thought it was like you guys are like completely in one room the entire time. You can't like move, can't do anything. Um, yeah, well, it's like, it's like that. Uh, other than that, that time frame when you're kind of waiting on hometowns. Okay, that's that's the time probably the freest you feel because it's kind of like there's no cameras, there's no uh, timeline. We're just sitting here waiting for a few days, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so that was actually I enjoyed that time as much as any time in the whole filming process. So yeah. Um, so moving on to probably the, one of my favorite, uh, contestants and 
it's you know I don't know the guy personally, and I'm sure if I did know him personally, I wouldn't like him very much. But for pure for pure entertainment purposes, Chad was the funniest guy to ever be on the show. Easily, yeah. Um, he re- he really was. He made great TV. For he the made great TV. Bachelor, and bachelor so sure. yeah. So what's his deal? Like, is he as bad as he seems? Because you know what, I think similar to Luke P, he was kind of treated unfairly. Um, yeah. But I think I think Chad is just the funniest guy ever. I can't. I loved watching him on TV. Yeah. Yeah, Chad's a character for sure. Uh, I, you know, I, while we were going through it, I wasn't sure. You know, you're, you you just got to know this guy. And you see him doing these outlandish things, saying crazy stuff, you know, and just kind of acting a fool. And you're like, well, you know, his self-awareness and everything probably has to be somewhere in the middle. You know, he he knows that, you know, he's this is getting filmed and knows that, you know, he's kind of probably exaggerating a little bit. Um, but as time will tell, you know, later after the show's over... Um, he kind of continues with that. And so yeah. it would have been interesting. The only way you really know is to have known Chad back in Oklahoma before The Bachelorette because I have a suspicion that he was just a different person. And then once The Bachelor happened, uh, he just decided that it was like Chad 2.0 or something. And then he's still that guy that mm-hmm. he kind of transformed into uh, during during filming. So... Um, because I mean, it's kind of trans translated into his real life, you know, and and uh, because he just recently had uh, his public knowledge, he had like a domestic dispute yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read like, about that. And everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's he really took it and ran with it. His whole villain uh, character that started probably on The Bachelor. Were you? Did you ever have any like beef with Chad, or what was your relationship with Chad like? You know, I think. There were certain times we kind of probably bowed up to each other a little bit. Nothing that was really <laughs> to the storyline of the show. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, you know, one to... There was no incentive for me to really make any waves, I guess you would say, uh, with him or be there or, or really pick a fight and see it through. Because uh, I knew that would just be a distraction. And then at that point, you know, who knows? How, however that turns out, you're probably going to somebody goes to the hospital or you both get kicked off and you're going to have to go home and you're not going to actually get to even see it through on the show, you know, how that outcome would be. So, um, yeah, so there was never, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna let this guy go. I'm not going to raise my hand and, you know, start saying smart remarks and try to, uh, escalate this situation at all. So, yeah. And that was like, that was my guess. Cause on the show, it seemed like you were, of of like the guys who finished in the top whatever top seven, you were one of the only guys that really just let him let him do his thing. You know, yeah. obviously like Alex was a big like he liked to instigate a little bit and you know yeah. not Jordan too much, but you know people had beef with the guy and they tried to escalate him and tried to get him going. So um, yeah. yeah, it definitely seemed like you were you were on the more relaxed end of that spectrum. He was a classic villain uh, for the, for a bachelor franchise for sure. Yeah, man, it was. I mean, great entertainment. I will never, I will never, you know, not love watching it. But um, um, yeah. So about I mentioned Alex. Um, you know, it seemed like him, uh, Jordan, Robbie, and Chase. They had a little squad um, on the show, and yeah, yeah. I don't know how much that was just TV, but it seemed like they were a little group of friends. So, do you speak to anyone um, still from your season regularly, or who are your who are your closest um, friends? Man. Not regu- regularly. I think 
for the first year after uh, you end up at a lot of events and things like that. Yeah. Uh, with your other uh, castmates, but um, man, the you know there was the guys that geographically we were located in the same place, so you would see them. So like being in Nashville uh, at the time, Wells Adams was here. Yep. Um, and had his radio show and everything here. So I hung out with Wells, you know, a fair amount uh, before he moved to L.A. Um, and then let's see who else. Jordan was here before the show, but then moved to Dallas, of course, after. Um, Chase McNary, um, talked to him some. He, he was actually dating somebody out here uh, near Nashville uh, recently, and so I'd seen him a couple of times when he was in town for that. And, yeah, and then Vinny. Uh, Vinny was, I think, you know, one of the favorites in the house. Yeah. Uh, especially afterwards, you know, Vinny's always a good time being a DJ and always, he's always where the action's at, you yeah. know. So um, we've had a lot of fun, you know, between uh, going down to Florida, South Florida and seeing him in his neck of the woods or, you know, Vegas and some different places. But um, yeah, so it was, man, I, I met some good friends during the whole thing and was glad to be able to, to do that. And you were on uh, Bachelor Winter Games, and so you met a lot of yeah. people there. So who, um, you know, who are your like people that you still talk to, or closest friends, good relationships from anyone that you've met through the entire process? Um, let's see. Probably some of the people that you know I related to the most. Um, you know, Chris Souls I met after uh, okay. the show. Of course, we weren't on a show together. We just met as part of the kind of the circle of. Yeah. Of, of cast members. And, uh, of course, he went through a lot with his court cases and everything with his accident. And uh, so, you know, during that time, I didn't see him much. Um, but, you know, he had, he was a guy that grew up on a farm, very similar upbringing to mine. He's from Iowa and all that. So we had a lot in common, uh, you know, outside of that world. And um, so Chris and then, you know, I, I got close to Ben for a time uh we were um, we did a few events together uh, in uh, California and Vegas, and we went to the ATT uh, uh, pro am, uh, the golf tournament out in Pebble Beach uh, a couple years ago. And you know, I just uh, he's such he's a great guy and, and very sensible guy that you know is uh, one of those people that is a, is a great voice um, for the franchise and you know just for. Uh, just for just for his faith and everything, he's very upfront with that as well. And so I really respect him. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess that's that's some of the, the couple of the ones that I've been uh, been closer to. Um, I want you to give me a moment um, that wasn't shown on TV on either Winter Games or Bachelorette that you thought was funny or some something significant, a good story you can tell me. <laughs> well, let's see. There's so much, and that's that's another thing the public doesn't know, and I, I, I don't know, is is where the vaults, I guess they get deleted. But, yeah, yeah. Um, there is so many things that can't fit in the time frame. You know, I mean, out of everything that's filmed with, you know, four, five, six, seven cameras going all at the same time, uh, probably, I don't know, if, if, if it's 5%, that's probably... Uh, you know, a, a healthy guess yeah. of what actually makes it to the screen. So, um, but let's see, I'm trying to think of one here. Maybe a, a drunk be, house story, like a little which, Dan, Daniel stripping feel. down into a, into a speedo. Um, yeah, let's see the first night, 
man, I thought Vinny was going to be crazy uh, the first night. He, I don't know if he came in trying to be the villain or if he had just had too much to drink or what. <laughs> but uh, Daniel, the uh, Canadian guy, yeah, yeah, um, he had this. I think he had this tie on, and Vinny was started giving him a hard time about this tie, and. Uh, and he it went on for probably three hours. He was just and, he, and Vinny, you know, he's like got this like New Yorker uh, yeah. background and everything, so he's got a super big accent. He would not shut up about Daniel's ties. Like, Yo, dude, what you do? What are you coming in with that tie? It's kind of too short for you. What you? And I was like, oh my god, Dave, Vinny is gonna be a, a wreck for this whole show. But um, but he ended up being everybody's favorite by the end of the end of the taping. Um, that was kind of a funny night just because that was when you first really got to, you know, be introduced to everybody. And then, uh, let's see, I'm, I'm trying to think here. James Taylor, uh, man, he did some crazy stuff. Uh, he, he was kind of the class clown many times. And uh, he, I get, like, if you dared him to do anything, he, he would just do it just because he was bored, I guess. I don't know. Um he in Argentina, I believe. No, maybe it was Uruguay. Um, he let Jordan Rogers. I don't know if there was a bet or what it was, but he let Jordan Rogers slap him on the on the ass. <laughs> as as he he pulled his pants down out by the pool, and he I guess Jordan said he could put a handprint on him or something like that. And he let him like get like a baseball swing and swing as hard as he could. So for like the last two weeks of the show, James Taylor had Jordan Rogers' handprint on his freaking butt cheek, dude. It was hilarious. <laughs> just, just guys like, being dudes. What I was like, what, what are we? What kind of society are we living in right now? Like, what? This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But uh, it kind of got like a frat house there at the end. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, man. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so just to, to finish talking about that season, um, you know, Jordan and JoJo, they're still together. They seem to be doing great. Um, yeah. what was your impression of Jordan? Just cause you know, a lot of people on the, sh- before the show started kind of had this idea that he was like a fuck boy, um, yeah. a little bit of a player, but, um, you know, what was your impression of Jordan? Yeah. So Jordan, um, you know, I didn't know him obviously before, but I knew his type, you know, I had, uh, friends that were very similar to him, um, having played college football and everything. And, and, you know, so I felt like very early on, I kind of pegged what, you know, kind of guy he was and where he was coming from. And so, I mean, we got along really well, except, you know, I think we probably would have been ended up being better buddies other than, you know, the show at some point becomes realistic and you're like, okay, well, we're actually dating the same girl. And so that's going to get weird at a certain point, you know what I mean? And so, um, for me and Jordan, um, you know, we never, we kind of kept each other at a a distance. Um, but he's a great guy, knows what he wants. He's a funny guy, professional, uh, at everything he does. And so, I mean, I had a lot of respect for Jordan, um, through that whole process. So, yeah. Um, how about, you know, the talk about Aaron Rodgers? They didn't like to mention that a lot in the show. Did you have any intel on what the deal was with him and his brother, like, not being close anymore? Yeah, so, um, you know, for obviously, because he didn't talk about it at any point. Yeah. And we, we, we didn't talk about it behind closed doors. We didn't know there was anything going on um, with his family just because we don't get that deep really talking to each other about families and everything that much. So, 
Um, we, I guess we, all we knew is that Aaron Rodgers was his brother, you know? And so I, I didn't, maybe some of the guys got in conversation about, you know, family life and everything, but, um, but anyway, yeah, we had no clue that they were so, there was such, such, so much disparity between him and, and his family and, and his brother and everything until, until it came out, uh, in the press and on, on, on air, uh, that summer. So, uh, it never have. I, mean, I don't know if anybody's ever heard the full story of how and why that happened. So it's just really interesting and really sad to see. You know, it's such a cool family and such a they're such high achievers and like really uh, uh, have you know really cool lives and cool stories. And yet, you know, they can't really share that uh, because of whatever happened between them. And so sad to see it. But you know, uh, support support Jordan through the whole thing and. Um, hope that one day they'll uh, you know find some resolution to it. So one thing that I you know think about when I'm watching the show is that you know you want to treat the relationship as authentic as you can. You want to treat it as if it was under normal circumstances. You try yeah. and try to you know get out the cameras and get, make it yeah. about you and the girl. And so to me that might make the, you know put you at a disadvantage against the other guys because there is a pressure to speed up the relationship because of the competition and you right. want to like you want to you, you might not want to say that you love the, the person but you feel like you might have to or else you're going to go home yeah. um you know i think that it's different for everybody you know um because every season is different as far as the lead and 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 where their personalities are and, and what they're comfortable with, you know, and, and, and the fact that the whole process and the whole journey, as they call it, is very different from real life. And so you're isolated, you're focused on this whole thing. The whole thing's abbreviated. They, everybody knows that going into it. And then you're also competing uh, directly with people, which is, uh, you know, way more blatant competition than it is in the real world. And so, you know, as a contestant, you're trying to figure all that out. And, and I think that a lot of contestants would say the same as me on the part of this. Going through it is a great experience, not just because of all the cool, the cool things that you enjoy to see and, and, and all the cool sights and everything that you get to see and, and all of that, but it's a great experience, you know, as a human to very be very introspective and say you know what who am i like who am i looking for i mean i think many times people kind of go through life and you don't directly face uh yourself and say this is what i'm looking for these are my goals as far as a relationship um this is what i'm comfortable with saying or not saying in a relationship and so you know you're you know, to get that emotionally attached in that short of time is a little awkward. Um, and you're just trying to navigate it the best you can because, you know, for, for me, I will say like when, I mean, immediately when I met, um, Jojo, you know, in our first couple conversations, like we realized that in the real world, uh, you know, we had, she was from Dallas. I was from Austin, Texas originally. And like, we kind of got each other and there was like immediate, you know, chemistry. And so for a few people, you're going to have that. Right. And then there's going to be probably 20, 20 people there that you're just going to be like, yeah, definitely not uh, yeah. who I don't have really anything except maybe a little curiosity about this person. And so, 
those immediate uh, connections that you have, um, you kind of know the premise of the show and saying, okay, well, I've just met them. And it's in the real world, it'd be too awkward to say, you know, I love you or to be forward. You know, people are always worry about being too forward in a relationship. But in that scenario, you know that at the end of this thing, you, the whole world accepts it. The society accepts it. Culture accepts it for you to literally get engaged to one of these people, uh, within a couple of months. And so that, that changes the whole perspective you have on it. You're like, it's, there's no such thing as being too forward really at this point. And so, um, I think, you know, for me, I was trying to grasp that concept, you know, and I, I was still feeling those, those real world instincts of saying, well, well, don't be too forward. Like, you know, that's, don't be too forward, hold back, hold back, hold back, you know? And so I think that was kind of what turned out to be my experience. Whereas like guys like Robbie, for instance, you know, the first time he got a one-on-one date, you know, he's sitting at dinner and he just like throws it out. He's like, you know, I think I'm in love with you, you know? And so, uh, everybody just had a different take on it, you know? And, uh, it, it, it's definitely an interesting experience. I, I majored in sociology and uh, for my undergrad. And, and so for me, it was very intriguing just to feel that process and feel that emotional kind of roller coaster and say, man, how, how would I react in this situation and kind of feel like you're in that fishbowl? Because you definitely are, you know. And so you learn a lot about yourself and about other people. And uh, it was really cool. Yeah, I always say, like, if I were to ever go on the show, I would be, like, fully authentic. I would treat it as if there was no one else there because sure. I don't want to force myself into something that I'm not comfortable with, you know. I want to make it as authentic as I can. And, you know, it's a lot. Like, it's a lot to say you love someone or you're in love with someone, you know. I think it's it's one thing to say you're falling in love with someone or, you're you know, you're starting to love someone, but... Right. To say you're in love with someone, that that's a huge step. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, that's the thing I just – sometimes, like, people talk about how The Bachelor is fake and it's not real. And I, I don't agree with that at all. But there is an element that is a little bit – it's, you know, not 100% real. It's a uh, – yeah, the, the word love, you know, and in the – the premise of marriage is that those are a couple of the most powerful words in our, you know, culture, you know, and, uh, that's what all relationships are, are built on those on, on that word. And so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, for some people it, they can go through that whole process and, and, and they're never going to be comfortable with saying that they love somebody that they haven't been able to get to know more than they would, uh, on a TV show, uh, taping, you know, so, and, and that's okay. And then, you know, that show's not for them. That's something, you know, you get every opportunity before you go on the show to, you know, you're filling out all types of questionnaires and doing psychological, wow. uh, you know, uh, evals and those type of things to kind of, you know, realize for yourself and, and discover if this is really something that you want to be a part of, or does it make you feel uncomfortable? Because some people, it definitely will make feel uncomfortable. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, hey, I I'm, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think it's nice to shed light on that issue because, you know, a lot of people, when they're watching the show, say, oh, this is, you know, this is bullshit, this is full of shit. And right, right. For some people, you know, it's, you know, for some people, they have a point. Um, and, the you know, but there's, you know, it, these things develop differently for different people. And so... 
you can't really judge the entire show off off this one idea because some people really do feel this way and they're ready to just commit and say those words. But um, absolutely, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so they keep, uh, yeah, go they ahead. Keep kind of, they keep kind of upping the ante on. Uh, that everybody thought The Bachelor was a quick timeline, and then there's been a couple of these shows out there that are like. Uh, oh. Like same day, like yeah. I, think, I can't remember the one that um, Jesse Palmer hosted. It was like Love at First Sight. Or is it Love? Is, is like it Love that. is Blind? Are you thinking of that? Well, Love is Blind is the one that I haven't seen that yet, but I, I know that that one uh, is a very short timeline as well. Um, but there was one that came on like last summer or something, or maybe the year before, where they basically had a, it was like an interview process, and like somebody's on stage. And it's similar to Love oh, is Blind, but yeah, like it yeah, all yeah. happens the same night. Yeah, so. I remember that. Yeah, I think did Chris Harrison host that? No, I think it was Jesse Palmer. He was he, okay. he was a, okay. a prior bachelor from like way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no. Um Anyway. Love is blind. I don't I'm re- kinda refuse to see it because, you know, obviously I'm a bachelor stan, but I mean that I mean just that sounds insane. You never see the person? Like that's insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're just there's so much uncertainty there. You know, it's it, it's tough enough in relationships. You've got uncertainty about moving forward and like, who is this person? Or are we going to be able to be compatible for the rest of our lives and all this stuff? And so to think that you could make that decision uh, just by talking to somebody uh, behind a curtain, man, that's that's intense. But, I mean, anyway. I can't even tell you the amount of people that I'd be in love with if I just spoke to them and never saw them. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. think about that. Like, if you never saw like your best friend, you probably want to get married to her. But then you see him, and it's like, well, maybe not, because you know, sex is. <laughs> it's just insane. I refuse to watch the show. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so um, we brought up your hometown date, and again, I want to give huge kudos to that hometown date. You had that. You had the heart made of flowers. Like that was sick. That was awesome. Um, yeah. and on the, on the mental all, you, you describe yourself as a hopeless romantic. And yeah. I also kind of describe myself as a hopeless romantic. So nice. I want to, I want to, yeah, nice man. Right. I, I feel yeah. you on that. So, so tell me what like the best and worst thing is about being a hopeless romantic, because for me, it's great to have these amazing, you know, wants and these romantic things and all these great moments, like these one big moments, but there's yeah. also a lot of disappointment that comes with that. So what's your take on being a hopeless romantic? Yeah, um, I think that um, for me, it's just about authenticity, you know? And I think that it just, uh, you're, you're looking for the best connection that is humanly possible, you know? And you believe that it's, you believe that it's out there and uh, you're looking for it, and and you just keep, you know, you keep going through the motions and, 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 and until you find that. And I think that you also, in the same, you know, on the same token, you're able to find the silver lining in the relationships that don't work out, you know, and say, you know, you learned something, you can be thankful you learned something about yourself, uh, that you got to spend that time and, and connect with whoever that was for that period or that season and then you know and you continue on in your you know your journey in life to, to find the person that is your soulmate you know and as they say and and so I think that that's you know the good part of being a hopeless romantic the the, the bad part about being a hopeless romantic is that 
maybe you know sometimes you're dealing with being feeling like you're like oh wait am i like am i too picky or you know you feel like there's a lot of uh ups and downs and in and out of relationships and those type of things can also uh happen if you're not you know careful with how you approach um being a hopeless romantic and being that type of person in, in a relationship so anyway pros and cons for sure uh, yeah but nothing wrong with uh looking for you know that 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 just best connection that just feels like you know they say well you, you know if you know you know and you'll never look back you'll never second guess and that's just the person that makes you a better person yourself and you know the last person that you uh you know you want to ever date so yeah man i mean preach to that because i mean you can get your heart broken but you also can you know find that love that you've been looking for your whole life so yeah, um, absolutely. I feel that. So I'm gonna ask one more question before we do a, a few like short answer, rapid fire kind of questions. Sure. Um, I know you met Claire Crawley on the Winter Games, and yeah. she's the next Bachelorette. So, um, what are your impressions of Claire? Because she's you know one of the oldest Bachelor Bachelorettes ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, Claire, uh, super sweet girl. Uh, she, uh, I feel like. In, in a day when this show can be about, a, you know, you can, you can be on the show for a lot of different reasons um, and, and those type of things. And and there's a lot of, you know, 20-something people that our generation as millennials, I guess I would say, you know, we've all started kind of getting married, I think, later in life, uh, you know, from a... Uh, data perspective I think that that would show that we all get married later in life and so um, or later than our parents did anyway more so in our 30s so for Claire you know she's she's well into her 30s and I think that she probably is, is going to come from an angle of like hey I'm, I'm ready to not only move forward and move quickly in this process of going through the show and finding somebody but like I'm ready to leave this show and like start, probably start a family and, and those type of things and and, and, and kind of get life going uh, in the next season of her life going and, and having a family and that type of thing. So that's really cool, um, you know, because that's that's the end the end all be all that people want to see as fans of the show and that type of thing. And, and you want to see a story that ends happily and a family that you know is born out of this whole experience, you know? So I, you know, I wish the best for her and, uh, I hope that she's able to find, you know, that person that she can start a family with. And, uh, and I think that she's as ready as anybody is to, to, to start that season of her life. So, yeah, no big, big Claire Crawley fans here in my household. Um, yeah, she was, I mean, she's been on the show a lot now, so she definitely gets it. She knows what she's got to do and, uh, she seems committed. So, Sure. Should be good. Um, all right, so I'm going to give you a few, you know, short answer uh, questions. Um, these are all uh, a little more fun, a little more playful. Um, the first one, though, is um, regarding some of the lines you had in the show. And so my sister, I remember very well, um, it was when you were eliminated, you had this great line, and my sister described you as a poet. Um, oh, wow. Little, little did we know that you were a, a songwriter at that point, and so yeah, it makes sense. Funny. Yeah, man. So I'm going to give you um, a few of your lines, and I want you to tell me which one you like the best. So the first one is, this is when you were eliminated. You said, I was in love with her, but I never got the chance to love her. 
Oh, all right, wow. sit with that. Sit with that. Let that stew a little bit. All right. <laughs> Second one is when I look in your eyes and know that your eyes are the eyes that I can be looking at, looking into for the rest of my life. That's what gives me chills. Yeah. Again, let that one sit. And the last one. Okay. This is you and the hometown date. Um, very simple, very beautiful. I want the future. I want us. Okay. Now tell me, which okay. one of those three did you like the best? Because man, I'm telling you, those those were some fire lines you had there. Um, I think the first one probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I was in love with her. I just never had the chance to love her because that makes a lot of sense. I think it transcends that even that experience, and I don't even know where that came from. I probably I probably got spoon fed that one from <laughs> uh, a lawn or something, but. Um, but no, I, I love that comment. I do I do remember actually saying that. And that was that summed up my whole experience there is because, you know, you can be in love with somebody, but if you don't let them know, uh, if you don't show them and have, you know, the act of loving somebody, then they're never gonna feel it. They're never gonna know it at the level at which um, you might feel it yourself. You know, you gotta let it out. And so that kinda summed up my whole my whole time there. I I was kind of internal about the whole thing and how I felt, and um, you know, I probably should have let it out a little earlier. So, yeah, I, yeah, I love that line too because you know you make a distinction between loving and being in love, and I think that's such. I think about that a lot, actually. I think about what the difference is a lot, and I think you summed it up really well um, there. Um, so yeah, that line was great. My sister was like, "This guy is a poet!" Like she's in tears, <laughs> full tears streaming down her face. You know, um, yeah. it was a great line. So. Uh, next next question, we're going to go, because um, now obviously with the quarantine going on, um, sure. give me, what's your go-to quarantine meal? Oh my God, uh, Quest Bars. <laughs> okay. Have you ever had Quest Protein Bars? No, no. Yeah, they're just these protein bars, um, and I don't I mean, that's like the most um, basic uh, guy thing you could say, but um no, as far as a real meal, I do. I probably eat that the most frequently because it's, there's like no cooking. They they're probably preserved for years and yeah. all those type of things, and they're just always in my in my pantry. But um, man, I I was with my parents quarantined on the ranch uh, for a couple of weeks of the quarantine, and down in Texas, and uh, the go to down there, of course. I mean, my mom's a phenomenal cook, and. And so is my dad too, especially on the grill. They they actually had a, a, a restaurant, like a Main Street uh, mom and pop shop oh, nice. in, in my hometown for a few years uh, before they sold it. But um, anyway, so I was home with them and then my dad, uh, they, he cooked some steaks out on the grill and uh, my mom uh, kind of cooked the potatoes and everything else. And I was like, man, this is, it was, it was getting warm. It was like springtime down in Texas and I was home and away from the, you know, all the sh- lockdowns and everything in the city. So yeah, I was, that was a good moment for me. Steak and potatoes back home in Texas. So for sure. Um, you have a go-to TV show right now that you're binging or movies you're watching. What's, what have you been watching? Oh yeah, right now? for sure. Uh, Netflix, obviously, I and mean, I've already watched it. It's already come and gone. But Tiger King was uh, Netflix of the Year okay. award goes to Tiger King. Uh, and then uh, after that is I'm on Ozark season three. Okay, yeah. I um, so I haven't seen Tiger King yet, but it's on my list. Um, 
obviously everyone's seen it, so I feel like an idiot. It will, blow, it will blow your mind. I mean, it was just insane. Damn. Every line, every scene was just like, no way, no really? way. Really? No. Okay, because yeah. I hear they're they're um, going to get a new episode out on Netflix. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'm here for it. Um, yeah, and then Ozark. I, I started season one, and, you know, I, I'm a Breaking Bad guy. Um, okay. And so I couldn't. I don't know. Ozark didn't do it for me, and also Jason Bateman. You know, he's he's not. He's more of a like a comedy guy for me. It is a different role for him, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I couldn't really get behind it, but I could try it out again sometime. <laughs> um, all right. So next question. I know you're a big workout guy, um, and I've been doing a lot of these while I've been in quarantine. But what's the best ab workout to do at home? Uh, best ab workout to do at home. Um, uh, buddy of mine out in LA. I, this is a rather new. I haven't had time to try this out, but he's saying that ten minutes of planks a day will change the game for your for your ab health. Really? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna probably gonna try that one next. Um, you know, but I just to, traditionally have been doing a bunch of the whole thing. Uh, you know, bicycles, planks, curls. You know, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think I think ten minutes of planks a day. Uh, I'm going to give that a go next. All right. And then last question. Would you go back on The Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise? <laughs> Man, that is a uh, – it's an interesting um, interesting show. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a Bible verse that says there's a time for everything, you know. And uh, that that depends on when you're – where you're at in your life and uh, if you're moving on in other relationships, obviously, it's not for you. And even if you're single, I tell you know, that show's not for everybody. And uh, so it's just one of those things you got to take it with a grain of salt. And when the time comes, I didn't, I wouldn't say no because I wasn't, it wasn't a negative experience for me. And I don't, you know, I'm not bitter about anything that happened. I enjoyed my time and the whole overall experience. But, um, you know, life, life uh, moves on and, and, uh, you know, there's a season and a time for everything. So, probably I'm probably not I'm not in that season right now. But um, time yeah. will tell. Time will tell. I'm, I'm like I'm like a uh, mentor right now. I think for a lot of people, they keep like they'll ask me, you know, that are about to go on the show or whatever. I keep you know knowing somebody or they'll like they're like, oh hey, my brother's going on the show or my buddy's going on the show. What what should I tell him? You know that type of thing. So. Hey man, we I think a lot of people would love to see you back on there, but we uh I guess we'll have to let time tell on that one. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Uh the interview went really well. I'm really happy with how it went and I'm really excited for where the podcast is going. Really, I'm um hopeful that we can maybe get some more bachelor alums on here, and if not, I'm going to have a good time doing it anyway cuz I like talking about uh, the Bachelor and about sports analytics. So I know a lot of people have been talking to me about that. Like, what the fuck is your fucking podcast? Like, what? Like, who is this going to appeal to? And, you know, I don't know who it's going to fucking appeal to, but I don't really care. I just want to have a good time doing it and, you know, express myself a little more. That's kind of what I wanted to do with the podcast in the first place is just show a little bit of who I am. And I think I'm doing that and I'm going to have a good time doing it. So if anybody has any, um, you know, points or criticism or anything they want to point out to me about the podcast, you know, please reach out for everyone that listened. Thank you so much. And if you liked the music at the beginning, it's going to be playing at the end here. It's by Jacobs. 
The song is called One Kiss. Um, he's also in charge of my design. So thank you to Ben Jacobs um, for the design and his amazing music. Can't wait to see what's going to happen next with him. And thank you guys so much. One kiss, and I'll be on my with the Take your place I'm lying in bed and just thinking about how you taste